Welcome back, folks. This is the Pound the Table podcast, and I am your host, the always NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred. Uh, great show plan for you here today. We're going to take a look back at some of the action from last week. We're going to make sure we get our picks in for this upcoming week. And then right at the end of the show, as always, we're going to bring you some great content. And this week, it's going to be sorting out the NFL MVP race. We're going to take a look at who's got the best odds, who's got some of the worst odds, some of our favorite value picks, and just kind of walk through and try to make, make sense of it all and see who that we think's got the best chances here. So make sure you stay tuned for each section. As always, hit subscribe so you can cut, tune in each week. And let's just jump right into it here. So taking a look back at week 12, there's a lot of pretty good action here. That There's a lot of outcomes that weren't expected. There's a lot of close, tight games. Spreads weren't that big, which really clued you in that it was going to be a big week this week for most teams. And leading right off, our favorite storyline from the last week, and I know a lot, I, I can be a homer here and be a picking favorites, but this really was the, the best storyline in my opinion. And it's the Packers bouncing back versus the Rams. And really, this game was one of the highly touted games of the week. The Rams were 7-3 and three coming in. The Packers were 8-3. and three. Both uh, figured to be playoff teams this year and uh, competing for their division titles, if not already got their division titles. Uh, and Green Bay is pretty close to being wrapped up here. But regardless, uh, going into halftime, it was still pretty tight. It was 20-17. Uh, to 17, And the Packers came screaming out of the gate, scoring 16 unanswered in the third quarter. For most of the game, the Packers led in yardage in pretty much every statistical category. Uh, they only had one fumble lost during the whole entire game, and they had 40 minutes of time of possession, which is a pretty good chunk. Uh, you could really tell watching the game that they were really staying pretty diligent with the clock management, uh, trying to get the ground game going. Never really seemed like they got it going steady. Uh, ended up with only 92 yards. But the, the play of the game here that really kind of turned the tide was the pick six by Rasul Douglas, and he pick six it off Matt Stafford takes it to the house up until then it, it was a pretty tight game I think that gave him multiple score lead uh the Rams started to creep back they had a big big shot from Odell Beckham that also helped put them back into the game but then the Packers defense kind of closed the door there was a couple more drop picks Rasul Douglas could have had another one uh, to really close it out but all in all it was it was a very complete win by the Green Bay Packers and Matthew Stafford uh, continues his streak of the last couple of weeks of looking a little shaky. But regardless, it, it's a playoff showdown. It's a playoff rematch from last year. Uh, no doubt in my mind that these these teams might meet again down the road. So it was a really key marquee win for the Green Bay Packers. Which takes us right into our second game of the uh, or ex- excuse me, the second storyline of the week. And it's going to be the Cincinnati trouncing, or excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals trouncing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is normally a divisional showdown. Everybody's bringing their A game. And I don't know what happened here, but Pittsburgh just definitely didn't bring their A game. Uh, the Bengals dominate this one 41 to 10. And really, the, there's not one ounce of this game that I think or the Pittsburgh Steelers really won. And I mean, you could look at the passing yards, they had a few more passing yards by, by about 80 than the Cincinnati Bengals, but that, that isn't enough to tell me that you're going to win the football game. That just tells me you're down and you're trying to sling the ball from behind. Uh, they win the turnover battle as well, too. The Bengals did, as they only had one pick compared to the 
Pittsburgh Steelers three turnovers. Time of possession, also another key number, ended up winning by 11 minutes. They had 35 minutes and 20 seconds compared to 24 minutes and 40 seconds. And really, this is the name of the game here was the ground game. Joe Mixon ended up with 28 carries for 165 yards and two touchdowns. Well, added in four catches for negative two yards. So not really impressive in the pass game there, but really just consistently feeding him the ball on offense really helped kind of keep the minimize the damage and keep the the lead or excuse me, keep the Steelers at bay and keep this this lead up to par. And really on the flip side, the Packers or excuse me, the I keep saying the Packers. The Steelers couldn't really get anything going. Uh, Najee Harris only ended up with eight carries, twenty three yards, but that's mostly because when you're playing from behind the entire time, you're just going to start slinging it around. So I think that this kind of signs, seals, and delivers that the Steelers are might be cooked for the year here. This, this is such a tough division in the AFC North with each team really competing that it, even if you fall one to two games behind, you might be out of it. And with the, the Ravens winning, the Bengals winning, and the Browns, um, well, actually, the Browns went down and lost to the, the Ravens. But I still think that the Browns are a much better football team than the Ra- the Steelers. So it might be time to say that the Steelers are cooked for the season. But we'll have to stay tuned. But nonetheless, a great win for the Bengals as they move closer and closer towards the playoffs. Our third favorite storyline from the weekend is going to be the Patriots make their move against one of the AFC powers. And that's going to be the Titans. So the Patriots play the Titans this weekend. And this is actually a much more important game than many people figured. As the Titans were the incumbent number one seed. And the Patriots were, I believe it was like a three or a four seed. But they were winning the division in the AFC East before the the Thanksgiving game. And the Patriots come into the house and they win 36-13 to in Foxborough. And really they... Another game where it was just complete domination on the part of the Patriots. Uh, the Titans nearly rushed for almost 300 yards, but it didn't even matter just because of the, the distance in scoring here. Is you're down by 23 points, you can run the ball all you want. You're not going to score quick enough to make it to make it matter. And really, the name of the game here is turnovers. Uh, the Titans were negative four in the turnover battle. Patriots plus four. Usually, you don't win a lot of football games with that type of uh, parity in that number. But regardless, Mac Jones, extremely efficient day again. He's 310 yards, two touchdowns. And the main recipient of both of those touchdowns is going to be Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, big free agent signing in the offseason. Really looking great the last couple weeks here. And overall, it was just a great team win by the Patriots. They they they, they spread the workload here in the run game with Stevenson and Harris. They both accounted for about 9 to 10 carries. Had about 40, 45 yards each with a touchdown between the pair. And really just complete balance. And this defense has always been impressive to me. It, the only number that shocks me is that 300-yard rushing number. But that just could be a, a fact of Bill saying, I'm up by so much already. If they want to run the ball, we'll let them try to beat us running the ball with six, seven yards in a cloud of dust. But, yeah, like I said, it's it's Dontrell Hilliard, Deontay Foreman filling in for Derrick Henry. And they accounted for about 131 yards for Hilliard, 109 yards for Foreman. And really, like I said, that that's that's not going to win you football games when you're down by multiple scores. You need scores fast, and you need them through the air. And they just couldn't get anything going with Tannehill, Tannehill finishing only with 93 yards and one touchdown. So 
tip of the cap to the Patriots as they move a little bit closer to that one seed. Currently, the Ravens have it with the win over the Baltimore, or excuse me, over the Cleveland Browns. But the Patriots really are making their move, and I think they're one of the more pleasant surprises with a rookie quarterback this year. So, once again, tip of the cap to the Patriots. The fourth favorite storyline from the weekend here is going to be from one of the Thanksgiving Day games, and it's going to be the Raiders outlasting the Cowboys 36-33. So, just a little house cleaning on this one is the Raiders and the Cowboys was the most watched football regular season football game maybe ever, I think they said. It was like 33 million viewers. It was on a Thursday with Thanksgiving. It made a lot of sense why it was highly viewed. But this one is a little surprising to me just because I kind of thought that the Raiders were going to fold it in for the rest of the year. They, I seen someone say the other day, it's almost like that they've played like three different football seasons in one with all the, the drama with their coaching and all the wins they had at the beginning of the year and how the losses piled up lately. It, it was almost like they had three seasons in one. But they come out here and they get a hard-fought battle against a Cowboys team that was it was a little bit wounded. They were missing Cooper. They were missing Lamb. They're missing Randy Gregory. They're missing Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, they, they didn't have a lot of their key pieces that they normally have. And Ezekiel Elliott uh, appeared to be a little bit hobbled. So they get a – but nonetheless, a win's a win. It doesn't matter against who it is and who's out. Uh, the Raiders stay in playoff contention with a win, and the Cowboys start to fall back. But they're still the leader in the NFC East clubhouse just because of how bad that division is. But getting back to the game here, it was a really tight battle. And I, I know the big the big narrative online is going to be the penalties. The penalties were just absolutely absurd. There's 28 penalties called in this game for 276 yards. 276 yards. That's just absolutely bananas to me. I know that a lot of the stuff, false starts, you know, offsides, those are, that's stuff that needs to be called. But a lot of these judgment penalties with pass interference, uh, roughing the pass or targeting this stuff that, like, you're putting too much work in the ref's hands. It just it needs to be addressed. Uh, I see, <clears throat> excuse me. I see it week in and week out that refs are not being held accountable. And I understand that there's an officiating shortage, but you, we need to start taking a little bit of pride in what what's going on and how this game is being officiated before – the product gets to be almost unwatchable and at points I thought that the Raiders and Cowboys game was almost unwatchable nonetheless this one goes into OT Las Vegas gets a big time field goal to win it and they stay in the clear playoff or I should say they clearly stay in the 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 tight playoff race in the AFC so big congrats to the Raiders 36-33 and then the last storyline I wanted to hit on is I, I kind of hinted at it here a couple different times during the pod already, but it's going to be the Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. And this was one of the more unwatchable games of the weekend, which was not what was what I was expecting. I actually flipped on this game when I got home from the Packer game and I watched Lamar throw picks on two of his three passes in the first half. And then I turned it off and said, well, that was ugly. Uh, they end up get, the Ravens end up getting the win sixteen to ten, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna take a look here, and I'm guessing that it's not gonna look pretty, but the Ravens lose the turnover battle by two, so they're minus four, Cleveland's minus two, so that ends up being Ravens minus two, Cleveland plus two, and Cleveland loses this football game, which is doesn't make any sense to me because normally when you get two extra possessions. 
that's big time. Sometimes they're even in opponent's territory. Uh, it's going to help set up some scores, but they couldn't they couldn't capitalize on them. And really, the name of this Browns game has been the, their ground game. That their rushing attack is really what drives this team. And when you get forty yards combined between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, you're not going to win a lot of football games. So that was huge as they constantly were putting the hand the ball in the hand of Baker Mayfield, who continues to just look like a shell of himself, mainly due to these injuries. It's it seems like every single one of his body parts is hurt at this point. Whether it's his shoulder, it's his back, it's his leg. There's just so many ailments on this guy, and they're just not doing him any favors. And then on the flip side, the Ravens, their rushing attack always excuse me revolving along excuse me revolving around Lamar Jackson and he threw up 68 yards to combine with Devontae Freeman's 52 so I mean they still went over 100 on the game but really it was the name of the game is Lamar Jackson's passing when you throw three I think it was like most of them were right before half two right before halftime when you throw like three picks and a half that's that's never good like ever like you don't win those football games and somehow they sneak this one out. They steal one away from the Browns here. Uh, Lamar finished with 165 yards passing, one touchdown, and four picks. And some the impressive defense by the Ravens is really what wins them this game. And really making the most and shutting down that Cleveland offense and that rushing attack kept them from really pushing the ball into the, the red zone and just kind of keeping them at bay as until they could figure it out offensively enough just to meagerly put up a few points. So the Ravens get an extremely ugly win. They head into the driver's seat as the number one seed. And that's mainly the, the, the number one narrative from this game is they are the clear cut, or I shouldn't say clear cut, but they are the number one seed in the AFC right now. And we'll, I mean, whether that lasts, we'll find out. But they are the sole ownership of the number one seed in the AFC. And that's why this this game had so many implications as the Titans went down and as the Patriots continue to surge. So tip of the cap to the Ravens. They get our number five storyline for the week. So our honorary unlikely hero of the week, the Jameis Winston Award. I wanted to go a different route with this one, as I always do. I, I should probably just stop saying that at this point is because we're always going a different route. That's why it's unlikely. But uh, I really actually did steer away from the, the normal path here. And I'll probably get called a homer for this one because it's from my favorite team. But I went with the Green Bay Packers, and I went on the defensive side of the ball because really the game, and I actually mentioned this earlier, was the play of the game that really changed the tide. And you could tell this guy was really just blanketing dudes on the backside of the defense. And it was the Rasul Douglas pick six. And Rasul Douglas is going to be our unlikely hero of the week. And I'll get into his story in a minute. But just his play on Sunday was really impressive. Really blanketing Odell Beckham for most of the game and really... If he doesn't give up that big touchdown to Odell, he is one of the more impressive cornerback games from a Green Bay Packer in recent memory, and that's even including some of the Jair Alexander games. So that's why I was extremely impressed. There was many times that he was just getting his hand in there the last minute, knocking the ball away. He actually should have had two picks. There was one that Stafford threw right to him that went right through his hands. I believe it was in the third quarter. But he's going to get our unlikely hero of the week here. He ended up with... uh, Three tackles and one interception, a couple pass breakups, and really should have had, like I said, two interceptions. But when we take a look at his story on how he got to where he's at right now, uh, he ended up being a third-round pick by the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2017. 
ends up getting uh, cut and claimed off waivers by the Carolina Panthers. He was on and off their roster for most of the year there. When, after that, he becomes a free agent after signing the one-year deal there. Comes to the Las Vegas Raiders and ends up getting cut before the season even starts in August. Signs with the Texans for a few days, gets cut again. Then he gets signed to the Arizona Cardinals practice squad and is a practice squad member until the Green Bay Packers poached him off of the practice squad on October 6th. So the, let's just let's do a run through here. This guy was a guy that nobody wanted. He's on a bouncing around four different teams in 2021 alone, playing on the practice squad for the first few weeks of the season. Gets the call from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, mainly because Jair's out, Kevin King's been dealing with injuries, and he gets a huge opportunity, and he really makes the most of it. He's been one of the more impressive defensive backs for the Green Bay Packers as of late and really burst onto the scene against the Rams here and is really deserving of some recognition here as this defense continues to look much improved over last year. And Rasul Douglas is a key part of that at the moment. So Rasul Douglas getting our unlikely hero of the week, pick six against the Rams. Looking ahead to week 13, we're, we got a great slate of games this week. And just before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I want to reflect on last week. And our picks last week were 9-5. and five. So we did pretty good again last week. Following up a 9-6 and six week, we're heating back up after that, that really poor week 10. So we're back on the winning track. We even had a, a money line parlay hit last week with the New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, and the Green Bay Packers. So that was a nice little payout for us too. But... Yep, uh, the next segment here, we're going to make sure we get into our Week 13 picks. So I'll just lead right off with that right off the bat here. And the first game that we're going to be taking a look at here is going to be the Dallas Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints. And the Dallas Cowboys have been having some uh, COVID health and safety issues here. It sounds like Mike McCarthy's not going to be coaching the game on Thursday. It sounds like Amari Cooper's questionable. I think they're getting C.D. Lamb back. And it sounds like Ezekiel Elliott might be a little bit nicked up as well, too. So they're going to be without some of their main weapons. And it sounds like New Orleans Saints is also going to have Taysom Hill back playing at quarterback for this game. Uh, remains to be seen. I, I'm not exactly sure how you can give him goal line carries but not start him at quarterback after giving him this weird extension. But either way, we're going we're gonna to find out. We're going to find out a lot of things about the Saints this week. And if they can get Kamara back, I think this will be a little bit tighter of a game. But I'm going to stick with Dallas. I know they kind of burned me a couple weeks in a row here. But I'm going to go back to the well, and I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys over the New Orleans Saints. Leading off the Sunday action, it's going to be a deli- or excuse me, a divisional round match or divisional round, whew, divisional game matchup. It's going to be the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans, and the Texans continue to be a dumpster fire. Uh, they lose to the New York Jets last week with a rookie quarterback, and it just it it doesn't get much better for the Houston Texans as they keep moving forward. The Colts are really getting hot at the right time. They gave a, a really tough game for the defending champs in the showdown last week, and now they're going to get a much easier one in the Texans. I'm going to go with the Colts, and they're going to roll over the Texans. Next up, it's going to be the Vikings at the D- Detroit Lions. Same story, a uh, different team for the Detroit Lions here. Uh, they're an absolute dumpster fire. They don't have a win on the season. They've lost every game except one with a tie. And really when I'm looking at this matchup, I, I-, I think that the Vikings are going to be able to move the ball at will, even without Dalvin Cook who's going to be missing some time with a shoulder injury. And I I think that they're just going to be able to do whatever they want offensively. And on the flip side of the ball, when you're going against either Jared Goff or Tim Boyle, 
it's never good. And now that they're missing DeAndre Swift, who is one of the only dynamic players they had on that offense, uh, it's going to be even worse. So this could get ugly, and it could get ugly fast. I'm going Vikings rolling over to Lions. The next matchup is going to be a showdown between the Giants at the Miami Dolphins. And don't look now, but the Miami Dolphins quietly have a four-game win streak here. Uh, they've gotten hot, and they're sitting at 5-7 and seven after starting off very, very badly this year. And really, I I I had I had the Miami Dolphins as a kind of underdog darling for this season. So I was quite disappointed with the start. But this is the team that I thought that they were going to be the last few weeks here, where they're firing on all cylinders. The defense looks extremely tough. Two is, be, is extremely efficient. They're able to get the running game going a little bit. So I'm going to roll with them again here. I'm going to go with the Dolphins at home over the Giants. I just think the Giants are very inept on offense. Even with Saquon Barkley finally getting some time back on the field, I just I don't see it with their quarterback. Danny, uh, Danny Dimes turns the ball over far too much, and this defense isn't quite what they've been in uh, last year. So give me the Miami Dolphins over the New York Giants. Which leads us to another divisional matchup here between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons finally get back on the board last week. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they needed a, mu- a must. It was a must-win game for them after getting absolutely trounced the two weeks before, where they're getting outscored by seventy-plus points. I don't expect much better to come from this game. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a whole different animal compared to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, I think Tom Brady's going to have a field day with this uh, this uh, Atlanta defense. It's one of the worst in the league. They don't generate much pass rush. They don't do very well stopping the run so I think they're going to pretty much have their way with it and on the flip side Arthur Smith is known for engineering pretty pretty stout run games and with Cordero Patterson being an absolute monster surprise this season I I don't foresee them being able to run the ball against this extremely tough Tampa Bay front led by Vita Vea so that's going to take us in to our next showdown, and it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Jets. The Jets get a big win last week, as we mentioned before. The Eagles kind of faltered down the road against the Giants and in a very ugly, low-scoring affair. And looking at this matchup, I think that this is going to be a matchup of kind of young and upcoming play callers with Nick Sirianni doing a good job of tailoring that offense to Jalen Hurts. And on the flip side, it's Mike LaFleur, uh Offense coordinator for the New York Jets, brother of the Green Bay Packers head coach, really coming into his own as a play caller as well, too. I know Zach Wilson got a little bit beat up in the game on Sunday, but I think it sounds like he's going to be making a go at it again. And really, I don't I don't think that this Philly defense scares me at all. And I mean, the same could go for the Jets as well. I don't think their defense scares me much at all either. So you could see some points start to get thrown up on the board here. I think the key to this game might be the Jets' run game and whether or not they're going to be able to maintain the clock and keep the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands because we know what kind of a dynamic runner and passer he's been in recent weeks. So give me the Philadelphia Eagles, though. I just When I look at the quarterback position, it's a little bit more stable in Philly. Hurts doesn't turn the ball over as much as Zach Wilson does. And I really like the uh, Philly weapons with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard over what they got in New York right now, especially with Michael Carter on the bench. The next Sunday matchup is going to be the Arizona Cardinals coming off a bye against the Chicago Bears. And the Chicago Bears get a very, very narrow win on Thanksgiving. So they get a little bit of a mini bye here. But 
things are very hot in the kitchen for Matt Nagy. Uh, I didn't think he'd make it this far. I, I, I really thought that his last game coaching was going to be uh, two weeks ago. And here we are. We're still talking about it. But I think that this is it. I think they're going to have a very, very bad showing. Uh, I'm thinking Kyler Murray's finally going to get back in on the action as well here where he'll be able to help them make a, a very serious playoff push. And this defense is extremely and vastly improved over last year's. So give me the Arizona Cardinals rolling over the Chicago Bears at Chicago. And in the last noon matchup, it's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals. And quietly, the Chargers have really been falling flat on their face the last few weeks here. They're, they're giving up games that they sh- you, you would think they would win. I know last week was a divisional matchup with the Broncos. But either way, uh, this is one of the the hot, you know, up-and-coming teams early in the season. And here we are sitting at week 13, and I think they're on the outside looking in for the playoff picture. And on the flip side, the Bengals were a team that was it was a must-win season for them. We all thought Zach Taylor was on the hot seat, and here we are. They're the number five seed in the AFC. It's it's been pretty it's been a pretty impressive turnaround. And I also seen the tweet out there on the, the Twitter sphere about maybe we should start thinking about Joe Burrow as an MVP candidate. And it's hard to argue against that because when you look at it, this team lives and dies by Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow managing this offense and just his, his leadership and his personality and his ability to throw the ball around the field. It's just very exciting. And it's, it's really brought new life to the Cincinnati team. So I, I, that's something I could possibly get behind here. And in this, in this showdown, I'm actually taking the Bengals. I'm, I'm not buying into the chargers. Uh, it doesn't seem like they always utilize Herbert to his strengths at all times. And I know Eckler's been an absolute dynamic uh, playmaker here, but this defense, it, it's, this, isn't, this isn't the same defense I was watching shut down Kansas City earlier in the year. So give me the Bengals over the Chargers. In the first uh, afternoon matchup between the Jaguars and the Los Angeles Rams, we get the Jaguars who, in my opinion, are very much outmatched by a Los Angeles Rams team that's that's kind of really coming off this Green Bay Packers loss. It was a tough one. It was a cold atmosphere, and they just didn't seem like they could get it going on early in offense uh, through most of the first half and midway through the third quarter. But on the flip side, Jacksonville almost has no offense, and I, I'm not sure what to say about Trevor Lawrence at, at the moment here. It's It, it kind of seems like... He's he's struggling through his first year, but that's I think that's more so due to the talent around him at the moment. But nonetheless, uh, he he's taking his lumps, and I think this is going to be another one this week. I think the Los Angeles Rams are going to be able to get after him. We're finally going to see this Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald pass rush uh, trio really get after it. So give me the Rams over the Jaguars, which takes us into the Washington Football Team versus the Las Vegas Raiders and. Very big underdogs last week, and both of them pull out a win. So this is a halfway decent matchup of a guys that are on the just on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. I think the Raiders actually might be in at the moment. But nonetheless, I, I was not expecting to be saying that about either of these teams. I kind of thought that both these teams were going to be bottom, bottom feeders all year. And they've been pleasant surprises. So looking at this game, though, I think it's going to be – this could be get to be a shootout. Just because when you look at it, both of these defenses aren't living up to the height. Chase Young is is kind of, or I shouldn't say kind of, he is out for the rest of the season. 
And on the other side, we get really the only bright spots are Yannick Ngakwe and uh, Max Crosby on this this Vegas uh, team. And at the quarterback position, and this is where we're going to get big-time differences, is you got Taylor Heineke, you know, unlikely hero of the week for us a couple weeks back, against Derek Carr. And if you're asking me who I'm trusting in a, a four quarters of a football game, I'm definitely taking Derek Carr over Taylor Heineke, and it's not even close. And I, I just really like the Raiders' weapons better than the, the Redskins, or excuse me, the Redskins, the football team as well. I know the, the football team's got McLaurin. Uh, Curtis Samuel hasn't looked anything like the, the contract he signed this offseason. And they got Logan Thomas. But when we're comparing it to the Raiders, they got Hunter Renfro, they got Deshaun Jackson, Brian Edwards has looked good. And then at the running back position, they also have Josh Jacobs compared to Antonio Gibson on the football team. So it, it's it's narrow, but I like the quarterback. I like the weapons better. And when we're looking at the defenses, they have a little bit more star power now that Chase Young's out. So give me the Raiders over the football team. In the next afternoon matchup, we're going to get the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And really, I think we're going to find a lot out about the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Uh, we're going to find out if they've any, got anything left in the tank. And I think we're going to find out about Lamar. Like, uh, was Lamar just kind of coming back from that sickness last week? He had a really off game, and they just kind of rolled with it and just snuck out of there and got the win? Or is, is this going to carry over? Our team's starting to figure him out. In, in my opinion, I don't think they are. I think we're still going to get a very insane stretch run from and possibly an MVP for Lamar. But I, I'm in the party that says that I don't know if the Steelers can can turn this one around. I don't think they have enough firepower to shoot it out with the Ravens if the Ravens get a couple score lead on them with that run game. And on the on the flip side, defensively, I know T.J. Watt's been beat up a little bit this year. And on the back end, they just don't quite look the same as they have in years past or even earlier in the season. And with the Baltimore Ravens even having all those injuries, they just keep getting these depth pieces with guys that just keep continue to show it out, like Tyus Bowser and Marlon Humphrey. We all know what he's about. He's an all-pro corner, and he's been really stout in his coverage. But they, they continue to just develop these guys. Odafe Owe, another guy in the draft this year, uh, comes first-round pick. Hardly plays any football in college or has any production in college. And he looks absolutely amazing for this this Baltimore Ravens team. So give me the Ravens over the Steelers. Like I said, I think the Steelers are a little bit cooked. We're going to find out this week. But I, I'm not the one that's buying into them. In the next divisional matchup, we get the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. And for this showdown, we're getting a Niners team that's getting red hot at the right time here. They've won a couple straight. They've really gotten the run game going. Uh, Eli Mitchell coming back from injury and looking great has been huge for them. And Jimmy Garoppolo been very sneakily efficient in his, his time starting for the, the 49ers this season. And on the flip side, I'm not I'm not sure what to do with this Seattle team. I think they're done. They're only at three wins on the year, and it, they're on the outside looking in the playoffs. They're not getting in. And... This, this team is in very serious disarray. I think that just for the fact that they want to keep Russell Wilson around, they really need to start pushing for some wins here. But I, I don't think it's going to happen here. Uh, they had a very prime opportunity last Monday against the, the football team, and they ended up not, not capitalizing on that one. So I don't see it happening with the Niners. I think the Niners are going to go into Seattle and pull out a really tough win. So give me the Niners over the Seahawks. 
And in another divisional matchup, we're getting the Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs get a bye last week, and it could have come at a better time than me. Or I guess I shouldn't say that. It, it comes at an opportune time as they're, they're coming off a two-game win streak, and they're really getting super hot on offense. They're, able, they're really throwing up points that they haven't been doing pretty much all season. And the Denver Broncos get a tough win against the other divisional opponent last week in the Chargers. And in this one, I think this Broncos defense is better than a lot of people give them credit for. They had a couple up and down games this year. But the the, the name of the game here is going to be this Denver Broncos offense versus this Kansas City defense. Is this Kansas City defense going to be able to do just enough to keep their offense on the field and scoring points? Or is Denver going to be able to manage the clock here with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon and really milk it down and, and keep it a, a one or maybe a two-score game here to keep it within striking distance? I'm not a believer in it. I think it could, if if Kansas City gets up fast, it could be a bloodbath by the second half. So give me the Chiefs over the Broncos. And what I think is most likely going to be the game of the week, and it comes on a, a primetime Monday night game. It's going to be the Patriots at the Bills. Uh, don't look now, but the Patriots are 8-4, and four, a game out of the, the number one seed in the AFC. And I believe they're tied currently with the Bills for record. Oh, my my apologies. The Bills had a bye, so they're at 7-4. So they're a half game behind this, the Patriots. So this, this very well could be for the division. I think that they play one more time down the stretch here, so it's not all or nothing. But with, with the race being this tight, one game up and or one game back, could be a huge difference. Uh, I really am interested to see what this Patriots defense looks like against an extremely high caliber offense with Josh Allen at the helm. I think that's going to be really interesting. And even on the other side, I'm really interested to see what this this Patriots run de- or run game looks like against this Buffalo run defense. Uh, I know that they lost uh, Tre'Davious White, which is a huge blow to their secondary. But really, this this Patriots offense starts and ends with the run game. It, it helps Mac be efficient. It helps them manage the clock and keep their defense off the field. So th- this is just all around has the makings to be a very, very epic game. And it's one of the ones that you're going to be make sure you have your eyes glued to. So I'm going to go with the Patriots here. I think that they're the more more excuse me more complete team overall. I think their run game is better than Buffalo's. I think their defense has more high end talent than Buffalo especially after losing Trey White. The only thing I see Buffalo doing better is throwing the ball. And I don't I don't know if I'd want to be the one throwing the ball against J.C. Jackson and company on that back end. So give me the New England Patriots over the Buffalo Bills. So that's going to be it for our picks. Make sure you follow along. Tune in next week, see how we do. Uh, maybe we can keep this hot streak going. I'll probably throw another money line parlay out there, try to capitalize on some of these good picks we've been making lately. So, Once again, follow along. Make sure you tune in next week to see how we do. So for our extra segment today, I decided to go through the MVP race. And basically, it's going to be sorting through the the current MVP race because it just seems like it's so up for grabs. And like we don't really have a clear defined answer of who's the leader in the clubhouse, who we think's got the best shot to win it, uh, all of that stuff. And and basically... I'm just going to pull up the odds on the, the betonline.ag sportsbook and basically go through like the top five, six, 
we'll see how much time we got here, but some of the top guys that have the best odds to win it currently and what we really think their shot's going to be at it. So currently the betting favorite at plus 300 is going to be Tom Brady to win the NFL MVP. And as it stands right now, Tom Brady is second currently in yardage and he's first in touchdowns. So he's got 3,403 yards passing and 30 touchdowns. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sitting at eight and three. And really, uh, honestly, if the, if the season ended today, it wouldn't be a bad pick to win the MVP. Uh, his team is doing one of the best in the league. Obviously, the, I think they're sitting at like a three or four seed in the NFC. They have a couple of uglier losses, uh, mainly to the Washington football team. And then and there's another one that I, that's just barely slipping my mind. But when you kind of look at some of the injuries that they've had, uh, Antonio Brown's missed some time. Uh, there's been some guys on that defense that have missed time that really haven't been helping Tom out all that much. But the numbers speak for themselves. He's one of the best leaders in every statistical category currently for passing. He's he's sec first or excuse me first for touchdowns and second for yardage. That's that's astounding, especially I mean, let alone for a guy that's forty four years old. Most of these guys are sitting on their couch watching these games from home at his age, and he's lighting up the league. He's one of, if not the best passer currently. I think that sometimes his supporting cast acts against him. But really, I definitely think he's deserving of this award. And when we take a look at Tampa Bay, their remaining schedule, and I apologize, it's taken me just a minute to pull this up. I should have had this ready to roll for you guys. But their remaining schedule is a little favorable as we take a look. So they have the Falcons, which is a very porous defense. Uh, They're not very high up on the list here. They got a tough one against the Bills at home. They get the Saints at home, which is never an easy game. They get the Panthers, who are reeling a little bit, at Panthers. Then they get Jets and then Panthers again. So of those teams that are remaining, there's pretty weak defenses with the Jets, the Saints, and the Falcons. But then you get a couple stout ones with the Bills, the Saints, and the Panthers have been up and down throughout the year. So I, it's, it's definitely feasible that this happens. I think that they need to definitely outpace some of these other guys that are going to be on the list here uh, in terms of wins and yardage. But nonetheless, it's going to get him at least in the conversation for MVP. And I definitely think he's going to be there as long as he doesn't get injured. So the second best odds on the list currently is Josh Allen. And when we take a look currently, Josh Allen is sixth in yardage, and he's fourth in touchdowns. His yardage is 3,071 yards and 25 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. And the Buffalo Bills are currently sitting at 7-4. and four. So this one is a little puzzling to me. The Buffalo Bills have really been rocky this year, and Josh Allen, does he's looked great. But he's not looking like this, like he was going to take this next MVP leap like he was last year. I believe he finished like second or third in the voting last year. And I really think that it's mainly due to how this team's been finishing. Uh, they've lost a couple of head scratchers uh, to the Tennessee Titans. They lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Some of these games are just ones that y- y- you don't see an MVP caliber player have it laying a stinker out on the field and losing that football game. So that's why when I'm taking a look here, I think it's more so uh, the narrative behind some of these losses that are hurting Josh Allen's case because right now 
when you're taking a look. 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns is nothing to, to sneeze at at all. So, like I said, I, I think that they can turn it around too. Uh, when we take a look, I'm going to pull up their schedule as well. But I definitely think that they're going to be able to turn it around. Uh, when you take a look at their remaining schedule, you can see that they have the Patriots this week, which is an extremely tall task for them. Then they get the Buccaneers at the Buccaneers. They get the Panthers at home. Then they get the Patriots again at Foxborough. And then they get the Falcons at home. And then the Jets at home. So they get a couple of layups there at the end of the season. So if they can get a, if they can reel off a couple of really tough fought wins and Josh Allen can look really good the next two, three weeks, it's really going to catapult his stock. He's going to not be the second overall or second best odds. He's going to have the best odds. So that that's a big if, though, if we're saying this, though, just because the Buccaneers and the Buffalo, excuse me, the New England Patriots are two of the best defenses in the entire league. So it it's not like you're going to say, oh, yeah, he's going to have a couple of great games against these guys. He might lay an egg out there. They might not win those football games, and that's definitely not going to hurt. That's definitely going to hurt his stock as he's currently sitting at 7-4. and four. So Josh Allen, I, I think the odds are a little bit misleading there, which is going to take us into our next guy on the list. And really, this he's been ascending up the list here as well. And it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers currently sitting at plus 550 for MVP odds. He's got, on the year, 2,878 yards passing. And then he's also got 23 touchdowns to four interceptions. An absolutely astounding uh, interception touchdown-interception ratio, as he's always done. And that those numbers are able to get him at ninth in yardage and seventh in touchdowns. So... Once again, he's he's taken a pair of the ball at an extremely high clip. And our favorite stat here, or I shouldn't say our favorite stat, but Aaron Rodgers' favorite stat, he's got the second-best uh, QB rating in the league. He's sitting at 105.5, just behind Kyler Murray, who's missed pretty significant time. But as it stands, the Green Bay Packers are 8-3 and three on the year. Excuse me, no, 9-3 and three on the year. My apologies. 9-3 and three on the year, they're sitting at... I believe a game out of the number one seed who's they're just behind the Arizona Cardinals who they beat head to head. So I think they have the tiebreaker over them as well. So if, if Aaron Rodgers can run the table and look like the clear cut favorite in the NFL, where the Packers are just head and shoulders above every other team, I, which is definitely not out of the question. I think that also could catapult his odds as well. So if they go out and they rattle off four or five wins here in a row, uh, it'd be four wins. My apologies, just because it's 18 weeks this year and they're on a bye this week. So if they can rattle off about four or five wins in a row here and he continues to keep his interception number low, which it's not out of the question to think he will just because he's never thrown picks his entire career. Well, why not give it to this guy? He's consistently played without a defense his entire career and finally he's got one. They're in every single game as they play every single week. I think he honestly needs to start getting more credit than what he's getting at the moment. Uh, I know his, he's not going to throw up the rushing numbers you're going to see from like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, but he's going to be extremely efficient. Every single time he plays, they're in every single game. You never once have taken the field and said, uh, maybe they won't win. No, you're always going to say they got a shot. 
And basically, that's kept him in every game just because he takes care of the ball and puts it where it needs to be when it needs to be there. So I really think that at plus 600 or excuse me, at plus 550, Aaron Rodgers is a steal at this point. I can't believe he's not higher on this list. Uh, just com- when you take a look at it as well, too, narrative wise, they've lost Aaron Jones for time. They've lost Devontae Adams for time. Uh, they haven't had David Bakhtiari all season. They're starting other left tackle that moved over from guard and was a Pro Bowl guard, all pro level guard, and Elton Jenkins has now out for the rest of the season. And they've lost half of that defense, and he's still managed to keep them in every single game and if not win nine of them. So Aaron Rodgers, I think, deserves to be higher, and I think he, he's a very value pick at 550. Uh, in terms of whether he gets it or not, that'll be tough to say just because I know voter fatigue sets in. And a lot of people aren't sure what to, what to do with his whole COVID situation either. So it, it, it's tough to see him winning it. But I definitely think he deserves a little bit more respect and a little more credit for the, the job he's done this year. Which takes us into our fourth best odds. And that's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's sitting at plus 850 currently. He's got 3,200 yards on the year. And then he's also got 25 touchdowns on the year as well. So his interception number is up a little bit more than usual. He's sitting at 11 picks right now, which is the most out of all the guys we named. But what's really working in his factor is he's got obviously got the name factor. He's he's won the MVP before. Uh, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But they've gotten really hot lately. They they threw up a huge number of points the last couple of times out uh, after they laid some stinkers earlier in the year. And... He's looked like the Patrick Mahomes of old, which is very, very exciting just because you, but previously we weren't sure what we were getting with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, were they going to go out there and only score 13 points or were we going to get 42 out of them? There was no in between for a while there. But taking a look at his schedule, it's it's a l- little bit tougher than you'd expect just because mainly they get to go against some of these uh, meat grinder AFC West teams. But it's going to be the Broncos at home, the Raiders at home, then at the Chargers, at home versus the Steelers, at the Bengals, and at the Broncos again. So the Broncos, tougher defense than I think that they get credit for. They have a very stout secondary, and they get them twice. Then they're going to get the Raiders, which we've seen what they did to the Raiders. They threw 44 on them and beat them by, I believe it was like three scores. And the Chargers team just is a team that knows how to play this Chiefs team. The Steelers, if they can ever get their entire defense healthy, I think could be a little bit of a threat there. But uh, in terms of if it's going to be a shootout, I don't think you're expecting Ben to start slinging around the yard anytime soon. And then the Bengals, who in my opinion are an extremely underrated defense after all these free agent signings they had with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard's really come on, and they have Chidobia Wuzia on the back end and Mike Hilton. I, I think that they're extremely underrated, so that could be that could be a game you want to have circled to give Mahomes fits. And then they get the Broncos again. So it's not exactly like Patrick Mahomes has a ton of layups heading into this, this MVP race here. So I think that he's properly valued at 850. He's He's got a lot of sizzle with the name, but I don't really think that the stats jump off the – off the line here, and I don't really know if it's the most welcoming schedule moving on. So Patrick Mahomes currently sitting at fourth in MVP odds, properly valued in my opinion, which is going to take us into the fifth 
player on the list here. And this is one I don't want to spend a lot of time on just because I don't know how likely this is to happen. But it's Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray is currently sitting at plus 1,200. He's got the fifth best odds. And really, I, I don't think it's really in the question that Kyler Murray is going to win this award just because he's missed so much time. I believe it's it's three games now, I believe, four games possibly. And that's a pretty wide margin of, of time here. I mean, we're talking about almost 25% of the season. And I don't know if there's ever been an MVP in the history of the league that's missed that many games and was able to come back and really threaten to win the MVP. Uh, so I, I I don't want to get dive into the weeds here too much. His stats obviously are going to be lagging behind a little bit. But when we take a look at it, he's got 2,276 yards passing, 17 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And I, I think that's basically where it starts and ends. The, the one thing that is extremely impressive for Kyler Murray is he's got the number one passer rating, or excuse me, quarterback rating in the league right now. It's 110.4. Uh, he was just ahead of Aaron Rodgers. So he's got really got that working in his, his favor that he's been extremely efficient this year. I just think that the injuries have finally started to catch up with him. And I think, I mean, while the Arizona's really helping his case winning all these games, but they're winning them with Colt McCoy under center as well too. So are you really that valuable if your backup can come in and go 2-1 and one or 3-1 and one over the stretch while you miss time? I'd, I'd argue against it, but... Kyler Murray, fifth best odds at plus 1,200. And then the last guy I wanted to just to go into depth on, and everybody else, we'll mention a couple of our favorite uh, lower odd guys, but the last guy I wanted to spend a significant amount of time talking about is going to be Dak Prescott. He's got the sixth best, excuse me, the sixth best odds currently at plus 1,200. He's tied with uh, Kyler Murray, so technically you could say he's tied for fifth. But currently, he's sitting at 2,932 yards and 22 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's missed, I believe, one game. And he's currently got a pass, or excuse me, a QB rating of 104.2. My apologies. So he's sitting at fifth in QB rating. He's 22 touchdowns, ranks him eighth in the league, and is passing yardage gets him at eighth as well so really Dak was kind of my sneaky sneaky uh favorite here for the MVP a couple weeks back just the way he was playing he was balling out he was really keeping this team in games when they weren't able to run the ball and he was really able to deliver the ball to Cooper to Lamb and uh Michael Gallup pretty much at will do whatever he was what he was wanting to do and he was leading this team to wins uh, I think at one point they were seven two and uh they probably had some of the best odds to win the, the one seed in the NFC and or excuse me, six and two. And now or yeah, seven and two, my apologies. And now you, you kind of see the Cowboys drop a couple of games and as it's gone, you start to see his his odds drop, and rightfully so. Uh, it, you're not a very valuable to your team if you're not winning your team games. So I still like Dak's uh, options here. I still think he's the favorite for the comeback player of the year, but I, I always thought that it would be kind of cool if he could win that award and the comeback player, or excuse me, and the MVP. So Dak, I, I still think is a sneaky favorite if they can throw together a, a, a few 
big wins here, which it's definitely likely when when you're taking a look at the NFC East and who the the gauntlet of their schedule is there with the the football team and the Philly Eagles and then also the New York Giants. It's it's definitely possible, but I think he's got an uphill battle at this point, but I wanted to make sure we got his name in there. Uh, the pre so I'll just I'll quick skim through some of these favorite guys and then I'll tell you who our favorite is to win it. Uh, currently we have Matt Staff- Stafford who is the preseason favorite at plus 1400, uh, Lamar Jackson plus 1600, Jonathan Taylor also at plus 1600. Uh, a guy we mentioned earlier in the show, Joe Burrow currently sitting at plus 5000, which uh that that's Wow, that's I didn't even know that was that high. That actually is not a bad bet at this moment. Uh, you throw down five bucks, you're gonna win twenty. Is it twenty five hundred? I believe it's twenty five hundred. My apologies. You throw down five bucks, you win two hundred fifty bucks. If Joe Burrow takes home the MVP, and then uh, the the last guy I wanted to mention is gonna be Mac Jones. Mac Jones sitting at plus twenty five hundred ahead of Joe Burrow. Uh, that is that is very surprising to me. I honestly would take Joe Burrow over Mac Jones in terms of MVP odds at this moment just because of what Joe Burrow means to his team over Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones plays efficient football and keeps the ball on the New England side of the field, but by no means is he the engine that makes that train go. So that's, that's where I, I kind of draw the line there. But really when we're taking a look at this, who I, who I think is the most likely to win the MVP is circling back here. I'm going to go with Tom Brady is most likely to win this MVP after taking a look at this schedule. Uh, The guy sitting at second in yardage, first in touchdowns. And when I rattled off his schedule there, it was, it's not exactly daunting. They have a tough, a couple tough matchups that might give them some fits. But really, when, you, when you're going against the Panthers and the Jets a few times, especially if the Panthers aren't playing for much down the stretch here, I think, I mean, then that give me that every day of the week. And, I mean, he's already built up this pretty solid nest, or I shouldn't say nest, but uh, safeguard here with all this yardage and these touchdowns he has. The only guy that's beaten him in yardage is Derek Carr, and his football team's 6-5 and five right now, so that's not really much of a threat. And then behind him you have Matt Stafford and Justin Herbert, who just can't seem to keep their feet moving, keep them in place. And then after that, it's Mahomes, who's got a full 200 yards behind him. So I think as long as Tom Brady stays healthy, stays upright, he's going to be able to deal the ball. They're going to be able to run the ball. They do a great job of that with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in that backfield. And as long as he's got two of the three big, the two of the big three between Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, and excuse me, Antonio Brown, and even you could throw Gronk in there uh, out of the big four. Uh, I think that they're going to be very well off because he's just got so many weapons to throw to. So I, they're going to win football games. They're going to play some some layups down the road here, and it's just going to make him look even better. And I just I can't see Tom Brady losing out on this. So I, I th- definitely think that's a safe bet. I'm, I'm going with the favorite here. But after breaking down the record, that makes a lot of sense. In terms of value, Maybe Joe Burrow. Maybe Joe Burrow, you could sprinkle a little bit on him if you're in a state where, where betting's legal. But uh, I definitely like his his plus 5,000 odds as well, too. So that's going to be it on our end here. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know who you think's the MVP favorite at this moment. Uh, is it Tom Brady? Is it somebody else? 
not sure, let us know. Uh, make sure you reach out to us on Twitter. Leave us a review or something like that. And, uh, get your opinion in. That's going to be it for the show this week. We really appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, hopefully we hit the mark for you guys on some of them storylines and you're getting in on some of these picks. We've been doing really good lately. Uh, it's it's not necessarily gambling advice, but if you want to use it for that, you go right ahead. So, and as as always, uh, we, we try to bring in some extra content there at the end, try to get some of our our opinion across and stir up some conversation. So hopefully you guys liked it and it, it definitely hit the mark for you guys. But if for some reason it didn't, uh, come back next week. Uh, maybe we'll have something better planned, maybe something that's definitely uh, in your wheelhouse. So appreciate everybody tuning in again, and we'll see you all next week.